Exceeding Expectations, episode 70. In today's show, for the first time, we welcome back a guest for the second time. Alan Berg, who, who was on a show in episode 15, just over a year ago, comes back to share a lot more great tips and stories. Um, and it's uh, not only is it the first time we've had someone for the second time, it's also the first time we've gone over an hour. It's a, the longest episode yet, but there is some, some great information and stories and advice and so on. If you like uh, today's episode, please do share it with someone who you think will get some good uh, use or get some benefit from it. And it's not necessarily anyone in the wedding industry. So Alan is a marketing specialist in the wedding industry. But as you all hear, many of the comments and tips and advice he gives are really relevant to, to any industry. So anyone who really needs some help with their marketing could probably um, definitely learn from some of the tips that Alan shares in today's episode. Do leave a review for us on iTunes and maybe subscribe to the show to hear some of the great episodes that you'll hear, like today's episode with Alan Burke. Exceeding expectations, and I am here today for the second time, the first time we've had a return visitor, Alan Burke. How are you, Alan? I am great, Tony. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. And you're, you were just telling me you've actually been in the same place for, what, four weeks? That must be a record, isn't it? it? it, it I think it is a record. I don't think, um, it definitely was not last year I was in one place for that much time. Uh, and that place being home, <laughs> mm. <laughs> which is New Jersey. Uh, not old Jersey, but New Jersey. And for the people who maybe are wondering what we're uh, referring to, because your schedule takes you all over the world on quite a frequent basis. Yes. Uh, last year, um, I presented, uh, well, I was away, I shouldn't say this too loud, my wife will hear, uh, 178 <laughs> nights. Um, I was in Australia twice. I was in Mexico, Guatemala, uh, Maui out in Hawaii, London, uh, Canada, and then all around the States. So um, I do sales training. I do private mastermind smaller groups, which you've been a part of, uh, presenting at conferences, consulting. Uh, so and that just takes me around. I've actually uh, uh, presented in 14 countries mm -hmm. on uh, five continents, and I'm possibly going to be in Kenya this year, which will give me my sixth continent, uh, mm -hmm. 15th country. I'm also going to be finalizing for Paris and uh, the Isle of Rhodes. So uh, exciting year. Mm. And so of all of those events that you spoke at last year, do any of them stand out for any particular reasons? Well, uh, Maui was nice. It was actually sales training. It was a, a, a venue that brought me in for two days, and I haven't been there since my honeymoon, so my wife came with me. Mm. Uh, Australia, I was there in June. It was the first time I was ever there, so that was exciting. And uh, people that saw me wanted me to come back for training, so I was back in September. I'd never been there at all, and then I was there twice, which I know it's a long way from the UK. It's a long way here. I have to fly to San Francisco. That's six hours and then 15 hours down, not mm. including the layover. Uh, mm. So it was nice to be down there. Um, mm -hmm. London, I brought my wife, it was her first time to London. So we were there mm -hmm. for bride lux. That was, that was nice. And what stood out with that is it was a, a Halloween party because we were there for Halloween mm -hmm. and there was a full blown costume event. And my wife and I, in all the years we've been married and dating before that we had never done like full on costume, like mm -hmm. real costume. Mm -hmm. And uh, my wife saw that in the invitation. She's like, Oh, we're doing this. I was like, mm -hmm. really? 
here we are because <laughs> that's not her normally her thing to go out like you know out, out on a limb like that and i was like okay and we did we we went full in go check it on my social media um, mm-hmm. so that definitely stood out uh, the fact that she was with me in maui the fact that she was with me in london that that stood mm-hmm. out for me because normally i'm there you know by mm-hmm. myself i have friends all over now but it's nice to be with her well, just let's give a, a quick refresher for anyone who didn't catch the, the previous episode. So, so what is it you do, and, and a li- little bit about your background as well? I started in the wedding and event industry, selling advertising in wedding magazines. Uh, my best friend bought two wedding magazine franchises, wanted me to come and sell for him. Did that for five years. Uh, actually, the beginnings of that is a, is a funny story where I was not in the industry. I didn't know anything about the industry. When I got married, I got married very young. And when I got married, they basically told me where to show up. And, uh, you know, the guy on top of the cake, that was me, right? <laughs> so um, my wife was pregnant when I took the job. It was a commission-only sales job. No salary, no draw, no bonus. I had a company car before that I had to give back. Uh, my older son's turning three. My wife is pregnant. I'm the only breadwinner. So, of course, it makes sense to go into a new industry of the commission-only sales job. <laughs> mm. But but I had been in sales, and I knew that I could sell. So I did ad sales for five years, and then we bought the magazines, and I published two wedding magazines for five years. And the company then wanted me to come and work for them. They were a franchise organization. And I did that. We sold them back our franchises. And a few months later, a company called The Knot bought it. And at the time, people that May, may not be familiar with the not.com. It was the largest, it probably still is, the largest wedding website in the world. Mm-hmm. And I ended up as a regional sales director and then eventually a vice president of sales. I was there for 11 years. So mm-hmm. I was the main speaker speaking to wedding professionals about the business of weddings and teaching them how to have a better business, as well as doing internal sales training in addition to my duties as vice president of sales and running sales operations and things. I was there for 11 years, and in 2011, I left and started my own business. So what I do is I'm a speaker, I'm a business consultant, I do remote website reviews, which you and I have done, I do private sales training, I do small group training, masterminds, which you've also done with me over there in the UK, and um, uh, obviously speaking at conferences, big and small, and then I'm an author. I just published my fifth book uh, late last year. So I help wedding and event professionals have a better business so that you get to do more of what you love. So whether it's officiating or whether it's being a DJ or a photographer or a venue or a dress shop, you have to have a good business, not just the technical and craft skills. You know, a great photographer is a great photographer, but a great photography business mm. is a different set of skills. So my expertise is in that side of it, is that I help people have the business that they can, that they want to have so they can do the craft and the creative part that they love to do. And it probably drew them into the business in the first place. Hmm. What would you say are the, are there any sort of common issues that all wedding suppliers face as far as the marketing is concerned? That's a, that's a great question. I've presented in 14 countries. And when I started presenting internationally, I was a little concerned if my message was going to translate Mm-hmm. Uh, not just physically the language of translation, but, you know, does it apply? And I would applies here. Mm-hmm. And the interesting thing with the States, you know, the U.S., it's a pretty big place. Mm-hmm. And my message when I would go from where I grew up in the New York, New Jersey area down to Texas or out to California or to the middle of the country to Oklahoma or to Chicago or Kansas City mm-hmm. would the message translate there as well? Because, you know, the way we sell in New York is it does it work over there? 
And the answer is it does, because here's what I've realized. There's four steps to getting more sales, not just in the wedding and event industry, but in almost Mm -hmm. anything. The -hmm. first step, you have to have someone's attention. If you don't have their attention, nothing's going to happen. If they don't know you exist, nothing's going to happen. Uh, you build yourself a beautiful office in the middle of a cornfield. Nobody mm. knows it's there. Nothing's going to happen. <clears throat> mm. So that's the first step. And that's advertising, marketing, social media, networking, referrals, etc. Mm. The second step is getting an inquiry. They, after they, you have their attention, if they like what they see, then they inquire about your services. And now we have a chance to, step three, have a conversation about those services, and then Mm. step four, the opportunity to ask for the sale. Mm. That has translated to every country that I've been in. Mm. And I've had people say, gee, I don't know if that's going to fly over here in the UK or in Ireland or in Dubai or in India or in Colombia, South America. And Mm. it has. And it has. Mm. My books are in English and Spanish. And it has translated because the first step, getting their attention, well, that's going to be different everywhere. It's going to be different in the UK. So whereas here in the States, Wedding Wire and The Knot, the two biggest wedding websites, over there, now you have you know Guides for Brides and you have Hitched and you have places like that. So how you get their attention might be different, mm-hmm. but the idea that you have to get their attention is the same. Mm-hmm. And, and then you need to get an inquiry. That's the same. You need to have a conversation. Well, that's my fourth book, which is called Why Don't They Call Me? Because they're all making digital inquiries now. That message is translated beautifully all around the world about keeping the messages short and ending with one low commitment question, et cetera. And then mm-hmm. asking for the sale. That was the interesting one. Because what, what I, as a uh, growing up in New York City, what I, as a New Yorker, might consider uh, aggressive <laughs> mm-hmm. um, or is different than what somebody in the UK might consider aggressive. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I first started speaking over there, I was actually speaking in Ireland. And people were like, gee, I don't know if I could do that. And I was like, well, that's not particularly aggressive. I didn't think it was aggressive at all. As a matter of fact, I thought it was um, professionally assertive, (laughs) might be a nice way to put it. Mm -hmm. And then other people started trying it, and they're like, this is working great. I said, yeah, that's not aggressive. I said, I can show you aggressive. I mean, you want to, you want me to put on my New York accent and, (laughs) and go to aggressive? I can go there. But mm-hmm. that doesn't, I don't think that works for you. It actually doesn't even work for me. Mm-hmm. And I've sold a rock and roll band and managed a retail store and sold cars and general contracting and burglar alarms and all kinds of things. And I've been able to do that without being aggressive. I've been mm-hmm. able to do that with being professional and assertive. Mm-hmm. And, and assertive means I believe that I can do what you need and provide you the results that you want. And if I believe that and I want to do business with you, in other words, you're nice people and I want to help you have, fill in the blank, a great wedding, great ceremony, great music, whatever, then I should be asking for the sale because otherwise mm-hmm. I don't get to do it. So that's not aggressive. Mm-hmm. Aggressive is, is coming on too strong, trying to sell someone before you know it's a good fit, before you know that you've made a relationship, before you, you feel comfortable that you're going to be able to give them the results they want. So it's been really interesting how the message has translated uh, so well everywhere. And weddings are different. But let's face it, you know, weddings in London are different than weddings in the North, right? Mm -hmm. And weddings are different in South America than they are in India, than they are in Australia, than they are in Dubai or in Barbados and all these places I've I've presented. Mm -hmm. And yet they're able to sell the same way, which is Mm -hmm. make it your, your own. 
but go through those same steps and bring people along so you can have better conversion, better conversations, and ask for the sale. And asking mm-hmm. for the sale is not being aggressive. It's being helpful. I actually mm-hmm. tell people, I don't want you to sell anything. I want you to help people buy the mm-hmm. results of what you do. Mm-hmm. Not what you do. The results of what you do. They don't want what you do. They need what you do. Right? Mm-hmm. When they hire you as a celebrant, they need a celebrant. But mm-hmm. why do they need Tony? Mm-hmm. Right? That's different. Right? Mm-hmm. And the results of what you're going to give them are different than the results of the next celebrant. And when they want those results, they have to hire Tony. Oh, and by the way, they have to pay your price. Mm. that's what I teach so how would you say I mean so we just touched upon obviously marketing and you know, you've been doing marketing since you know since Adam was around mm-hmm. um, my older son's name Adam. there you go you're right <laughs> <laughs> but how how has marketing changed I mean you know with the there's so many new platforms now you know with social media and so on how, how would you say marketing has really changed things for people in business well, that's the first step is getting people's attention. When I started in the industry, uh, wedding shows, wedding fairs was the big thing. So we had wedding fairs, we had newspapers, we had billboards, um, radio ads. Th- that was the way you got their attention. Well, mm-hmm. you think about the radio, all right? When, when you and I were, were much younger, I'm mm-hmm. not going to get into how, how much younger, but when <laughs> we were much younger, uh, mm-hmm. how many choices, realistically, how many choices of radio station did we have? Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. If you wanted classic rock, there was the classic rock station. And if you wanted disco, if that was your era, or if you wanted, you know, grunge or whatever it was, mm. there was the station. <laughs> and you mm. and all of your friends who liked that genre were listening to that. Mm. Just like TV shows, you know, you, mm. you turned on the TV and you watched the show and went to school the next day and all of your friends watched the same show. Mm. Now I talk to people and they're like, they're talking about shows. I'm like, what? When is that on? What, what channel is that on? We only have 800 channels. Which one is that on, right? Mm-hmm. So we've just diluted all of this attention by putting it into all these different places. So what you need to do is you need to know where your target audience is looking for someone like you. Mm-hmm. Not where are they spending their time, because that's part of it, but where are they looking for people like you? So what I you know teach my clients when I do consulting and do speaking, I'm very happy if someone goes to Google and types in that I want a wedding business consultant or a wedding business speaker or a sales wedding sales trainer or something like that. But I don't imagine that that happens very often. And I really don't want someone looking for someone like me. I would rather they were looking for me. So by putting myself out into places like Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, I'm putting myself in front of people where they already are spending time and spending time in these groups, let's say on Facebook, talking about business topics. And then someone is able to be exposed to me as the subject matter expert on that. Or they see me speak at a conference or they, um, <clears throat> a great story, a, a, a guy on in Romania who owns a venue and he's a celebrant found one of my books, which is called Shut Up and Sell More Weddings and Events, on mm-hmm. Kindle through Amazon. And he read the book. And in the book, it says, if you you know want Alan to help you with consulting or whatever, you can reach out. So he reaches out to me and he said, I just finished your book. I really enjoyed it. Do you do you know, remote consultations with people in Romania. I said, well, I don't speak Romanian. So if it, if we can do that in English, absolutely. I've done this with people around the world. So we did, we had a two hour consultation. Again, you and I have had a similar consultation. Hmm. And then after that, 
uh, about a month or two later, I was going to be speaking in Dublin, Ireland, and he flew over to Dublin and came to actually, it's funny that with two different events, two days in a row, and he bought tickets for both. And he mm. brought somebody with him and they did two days of events with us over there because he found my book on Kindle. Mm. So the first thing, getting attention, the book says, shut up and sell more weddings and events. He went looking for maybe, I don't know, a wedding sales book or whatever. He didn't know me and he mm. found it. That was great. And that turned into business, which was wonderful. But the best business for me is when somebody says, Alan, I want you to come here and do this. Not, mm. I want someone. I want you to come here and do this, right? Just mm. like I want Tony to be my celebrant. I want, you know, Alan Marshall to be my DJ. I want to have my wedding at, you know, the, the, the Hotel Cafe Royal, right? That's, mm. that's much better than I need someone who does something like what you do. Mm. What would you say? I mean, you touched upon Avatar just then. Um, and it seems to me that I think one of the biggest problems, not just, well, you know, wedding suppliers, but all businesses have, is trying to f- de- trying to determine what their avatar is and, and what niche market they should be going for. And a lot of people don't understand why they should be niching. Mm, exactly. It's funny, in the speaking world, we have exactly the same thing, <clears throat> that, mm. which is, my business parallels the business of wedding professionals so much. You know, I'm selling a service, not necessarily a product, although I do have products in my books and things, but I can only be in one place at one time, right? You can only do one ceremony at one time and the DJ can only be in one, at one event at one time. So it's very similar. And in the speaking world, uh, people say when they're thinking about niching, they always often refer them to me. They say, Alan's niche is an inch wide and a mile deep. Hmm. And, what did choosing this niche do for me? Because my topic translates outside of the wedding world. I could be teaching plumbers or electricians or dog walkers how to have a better business. Same four steps, right? Same exact four steps, get their attention, get the inquiry, have a conversation, make a sale. By choosing the industry, I lift my subject matter expertise. And instead of being seen as a generalist, I'm seeing as a specialist. So when people think about, well, I need someone to help me, you know, uh, learn how to sell better, there's a lot of people that can do that. But how many people can do that as an expert in the business of weddings and events? How many people speak the language? And I've seen this, and you've probably seen this as well. Someone is brought in to speak at a wedding professional conference, but they're from outside the industry. And their language is about whatever that topic is, but they're not connecting it the same way that I do. When, again, you've seen me, so when I'm connecting to the specifics of what you do, connecting and using your language, and then people are like, wow, this guy really gets it. Um, the worst example was I was in Dubai, and the guy that was speaking before me was a social media expert. And he'd been in, the, in Dubai for about 10 years, and he's an expert on social media. And he was a, <clears throat> I don't forget whether it was a Brit or an Aussie, but he was a, a young guy, good-looking guy, looked like a male model and... And I'm like, oh, great, i got to follow this guy. And he gets on stage and he says, you know, I really don't know the wedding industry, but, and then goes into his topic. I'm like, oh, my gosh, (laughs) nobody's listening now. (laughs) Nobody's listening to you. They want the expert. And I don't want someone to take pictures for my wedding. I want a wedding photographer 
because a wedding yeah. photographer knows where to be looking, knows what's going to happen, can anticipate those things. Whereas a talented photographer knows how to take pictures and might take some beautiful pictures, but it's going to miss a lot of things because they don't know what's going to happen. They can't anticipate what's going to happen. Mm. And, you know, you remember you're in your days DJing, same thing. You know, a great DJ, great club DJ doesn't necessarily make a great wedding DJ. Mm-hmm. I don't care how well you can mix songs together. If you can't coordinate with the caterer and the photographer and the videographer and, and all the events are going on and, and the announcements and, and, and keep the dance floor going with this group from five-year-olds to 95-year-olds, right? That's a different thing than going into a club where everybody's in their, you know, mm-hmm. in their twenties and, and early thirties and, you know, there for a whole different reason. Mm. Can you think of any um, examples where, someone has really been struggling with well maybe not understanding why they should niche and you've helped them and it's it's, it's transformed their, their business yeah I, I tell people it's really hard to be good at everything and to promote everything mm-hmm. when someone comes in and they look at your website which is going to be one of the first stops after they've found out about you right got their attention mm-hmm. they go to your website and they don't want to see someone that does a lot of things they see you know they want to see what you can do so here's a somewhat extreme example but a pretty pretty good example i was in uh, in the states in omaha nebraska i'm speaking at an event and a woman came up to me and she said she does uh, white dove releases at the church the beautiful mm-hmm. thing right beautiful thing and she said she does them for weddings and for funerals mm-hmm. and i said please tell me you have separate websites for mm-hmm. weddings and for funerals and she did. She did. I said, yeah, because someone coming in for a funeral doesn't necessarily mind that they would do it for weddings. But if you're coming in for a wedding, do you really want to know that they do this for funerals? Is that what you want to be thinking? I don't think mm-hmm. so. Another person was a cake baker. And she said, I, I have a bakery, a storefront bakery, and we do wedding cakes. Do you think I should have a separate website for wedding cakes? Mm-hmm. Now that's not a stretch, right? She's got a wedding, she's got a cake, uh, sorry, a bakery website and it, she does cakes and breads and cookies and whatever. And she's got a retail bakery. And I said, I would, if I was you, I would have on my retail bakery site, I would have that we do wedding cakes, but I would have a separate site for cakes. And that's what I would advertise. That's what I would promote for wedding cakes. I saw her the next year. And by June of the next year, so not even six months in, she had already done 50% more wedding cake business than the whole prior year. Mm. Because somebody coming in was not distracted by bread and cookies and other things. They Mm. were there for a wedding cake. They saw wedding cakes. That's it. Reduce Mm. the distraction. We have such a short attention span that anything that's going to distract is going to be a problem. And decision paralysis is when there's too many choices and you can't decide because there's too many choices. Mm -hmm. So those are a couple of examples of of that. In my own business, it's pairing off. Have you read a book called The Pumpkin Plan? Did you read that Mm -hmm. one, Tony? Yeah, that's um, the guy that did. Mike um, McAllowitz did Profit First, first, right. Yeah. So in my own business, I've trimmed off services that I'm good at. I just don't really want to do. Uh, Maybe Mm. I don't enjoy them as much. Maybe they take up too much time or they're not as profitable. But for whatever reason, I've trimmed off, which lets me focus on the things I want to do. And last year, we had another record year by offering Mm. less services, Mm. but being really, really focused on this is who we are. This is what we do. And when someone thinks about X, I want them to think about me and Mm. not, oh, they do all of those things. 
So it's that narrowing that focus that, that helps with the niche. And then you can speak that language and do those things. I have to tell you, I pay zero attention to search engine optimization on my own website mm. in terms of trying to trick SEO. Mm. What I do is I write to my audience about the things that interest them and how I can help and how they can be helped with this content. Mm. And that is organic SEO. I'm not trying to fool yeah. the search engine. I'm just literally mm. writing, and I know you get my articles. I just mm. write an article every month about something that was a conversation I had with someone in the industry about something, and mm. something sparked that thing. And I'm like, well, you know, this might be interesting to other people. And I write an article. Well, that mm. brings people into my site, which then exposes them to the other things that I could do for them. Mm. And, and, and talking of that, I mean, one of the things you mentioned earlier when you were you know, describing some of the things that you do, um, masterminds. Mm -hmm. and. I know you've been doing this for quite a while. And as you mentioned, I, I attended one of your masterminds. Mm -hmm. So just before we sort of go into that, for anyone who's listening who's maybe <clears throat> not so sure what a mastermind group is, do you want to explain that? Sure. A mastermind actually started organically where someone in Florida, in Miami, Florida, a caterer, uh, this is about six years ago maybe, uh, maybe seven, and she asked me about coming to do sales training, private sales mm -hmm. training. And we spoke about it, and she got excited, and I gave her the price, and you could hear the record scratch. And <laughs> whoa, how much? And she contacted me back, and she said, you know, I have a friend who's a photographer and a friend who's got a venue and a friend who's a planner and a friend who's a florist. Could we just, you know, have you come and spend the day with the five of us? Mm. I was like, well, that's a great idea. I had never thought of that. You know, I only thought about someone hiring me for training, right? Mm. And... So I did it. And then I just thought about it and I was like, well, other people could benefit from this too. So when someone would contact me about training, I would go back to them and I, I would say, this is what it is. And if they said, gee, that's more than I could afford, I said, well, what if you invited some friends? Mm -hmm. And that's what a mastermind is. So there's no presentations, no slides, no Alan standing in front of the room. I'm sitting, uh, depending on the size of it, the one that we did was, uh, you know, 10 DJs and me. So we sat around a boardroom table. Most of them are a little bit bigger. So we get in kind of a U shape. A projector and screen or a big TV at the end of the open end. And I'm sitting at the bottom of the middle of the U just conducting a conversation between everyone there through those four steps. Mm -hmm. So the idea of get their attention, get the inquiry, have a conversation, make the sale, and then diving into each of those steps. But each one of them is different. And it's funny because mm -hmm. some people are very maybe left brain and they want to know, so, you know, what's the agenda? I said, well, the agenda is we're going to go through those four steps. Well, my website person wants to come. We're going to talk about websites. What time will that be? Like, mm. I don't know. <laughs> I, I just don't. Mm. We're going to do it. And sometimes we do it in the morning and sometimes we do it the last thing in the afternoon. So I, I just don't know what time it's going to be, but I'll tell you, we're going to do it. Mm. And so a mastermind is like having me do a private day of training, except you get a couple of benefits. One, you save on cost because you have other people doing it with you. And the mm. other is the collaborative nature where people start talking to each other not just in breaks and at lunch, but in the conversation where I'll say, okay, so, you know, tell me, you know, what are you doing in social media? And somebody will do this and somebody else will say, hey, well, I'm doing this. And then that conversation goes and I'm not talking at all. Mm -hmm. And they're helping each other. And mm -hmm. you experience that in yours, right? It's just, mm -hmm. All of a sudden you're talking to each other mm -hmm. and sharing. And that's what it is. It's a very collaborative type of thing. So that, that's what a mastermind is. And what do you, I mean, guessing there's some people who have, maybe were unsure whether they wanted to go to, to one of your mastermind um, meetings mm -hmm. and were just 
in the end blown away. I imagine that probably happens at every one of them. But <laughs> can you can you think of an example where someone wasn't really sure and then they got so much more than they expected? I it's every time because uh, mm-hmm. people don't know what to expect. So mm-hmm. <clears throat> I'll give you a, a great one. It was in uh, Kansas City, Missouri. So uh, not too small of a town, but a you know, town in the central part of the U.S. Mm-hmm. And a woman who does hair and makeup services. And we talked about the concept of packages. Mm. And she goes, Alan, I, I hear you, but everybody gets hair and makeup. That's mm. it. That's her service is hair and makeup. She goes, so how do I package it? Everybody's getting all those services. Mm. I said, well, you're thinking packages in terms of I'm going to put these products or services together to make a package. A mm. package can be a lot of different things. I said, why don't you package the number of people that will do your hair and makeup service instead mm. of the services since they're all getting them anyway. So mm-hmm. go back and look at the weddings that you did and look at how many people they've had you do because you need to increase the number of people per wedding since they're all mm-hmm. getting that service anyway, hair and makeup. You mm-hmm. need to increase the number, the average number of people that are doing it because once your stylist is there, well, she can do one more person. She can do mm-hmm. two more people. So she thought about it, took it to heart. And the prior year in January, she had done $4,500 in sales. Hmm. The, the, we did this in December, right? So that prior January, she had done $4,500 in sales. We did this in December. She came up with her ideas. And then that January, a month later, she did $14,500 in sales. Wow. So she tripled the number, the amount of business she did January to January by thinking differently and thinking in terms of packaging. Hmm. So that's, probably you know the, the first example that comes to mind about somebody who's like whoa wait this is okay i need to think about this differently and she did and the key tony is it's not taking notes the key mm-hmm. is doing something and thinking mm-hmm. well what's the worst that could happen what's what's the worst that happens if if this doesn't work well i can go back to selling the way i was selling or i can you know just say that we offer it this way then instead what's, mm-hmm. the, what's the worst that's going to happen is that Right. There's, mm. it's, there's no, nobody's life is in peril. <laughs> mm. So we need to try new things. Uh, mm. expression I like to live by is try to make your own business obsolete before mm. somebody does it for you. You're, I mean, you do mastermind um, meetings for, you know, sometimes I know it's all people from one profession as it was, you know, when you did it for the, for the group of DJs mm-hmm. or, and often it's for all people from various elements of the wedding industry? Actually, yeah, most of them are actually a mixed group. Uh, the DJs only um, or something like that is a little bit uh, less common. That mm-hmm. said, uh, I'm coming in March for the Pro Mobile Conference, and I'm doing one for DJs only on 31st March. Um, mm-hmm. And then on 25th March, I actually have two venues. We're looking for a third venue to join us, and that would be a venue-only one up in Leicester, Um of ju- just venues. Most mm. of the other groups that I do, uh, like what I'm doing next week in Pennsylvania here, uh, is a mixed group. Uh, mm. I've started to try to put together a few more of the single category. I did for the Canadian Professional DJ Association uh, in November. I did 10 DJs up in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, and mm. I'm doing a, um, a couple of venue-only ones here. But those, are instead of having eight or 10 businesses, we're having three or four. So, because with venues, they might want to bring a few more people or whatever. We don't want to make it too large and focus it. So, um, mm-hmm. I'm started to mix those up, and that's responding to my audience. 
That, that's adapting, and that's part of the making my own business obsolete. Well, the mastermind is this, but why can't it be that? Well, it can be. And the worst that happens is nobody signs up, right? <laughs> the best that happens, we sell it out and have to do another one, which I did in uh, South Carolina. They had me coming December 4th, and so many people wanted to do it. They said, can, we, can you do two days in a row? Two mm. different groups. And we mm. had 10 businesses the first day and 10 businesses the second day, different people. And I did two in a row. So that's the, the best case scenario. But um, I, I have a little sign on my desk. It actually kind of looks like a, a coaster for a drink, but it's a little four-inch square sign. And it says, if you don't ask, the answer is always no. Mm. And uh, I hand those out to my, my clients so they can keep them on their desks. I would imagine knowing, um, well, certainly for DJs, and it's probably the same for, for you know, photographers and flyers and whatever, but many DJs would be thinking, oh, I don't want to go to a mastermind group with other DJs and sharing. They're going to hear all my secrets. And, right. Yeah. Right. and so what, what, would you, what would you say to that? Actually, had that happen for the Canadian one. Uh, it was funny. Uh, these people all know each other already. They are all part of the Canadian Professional DJ Association. And this one company messaged me when I sent out uh, the, the prep work and saying, here, you should do this to get ready for it and print these things out and bring these things. He, he emailed me and said, well, I don't know if I feel comfortable sharing you know, with, with the other DJs in the room. I said, well, you don't have to share if you don't want to, but just understand that you know, that's what this is about is learning from each other, not just learning from me. Mm. And what was funny is he came to the event and, you know, kept himself a little guarded in the beginning. And then he was sharing just as much as everybody else because mm-hmm. giving and getting, you know, it's the, the, the scarcity mentality or the generous mentality. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a member of the National Speakers Association and there's the professional speakers of, uh, in the UK as well. Mm-hmm. And the guy that founded National Speakers in the US, a man named Cavett Robert, he said, we're not trying to get a bigger piece of the pie. We're mm-hmm. trying to create a bigger pie for everyone. Mm-hmm. And if you have the mentality of that, my giving is going to bring me more as opposed mm-hmm. to my keeping this close to the vest is going to make me more. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, it's always worked. Uh, whenever somebody approaches me with an idea that's going to make me a lot of money, I'm not interested. Mm-hmm. If they promote me, pro- pro- I'm sorry, approach me with an idea that'll make you a lot of money and I think it's a good idea, then I'm interested mm-hmm. because I will profit from that. But mm-hmm. I will not, that's not my motivation. Last year, it was my record year, high watermark. I mean, it was an incredible year. And it was all about focusing on how many more people can I help? How many more businesses can I help? How many more people can I see succeeding and growing and, and expanding and raising their rates and doing other things? And the less I focused on my money, the more it came. And that's just that's been the way it's been. And, and the thing about a mastermind meeting is – now, everyone comes to the table with completely different issues they're having problems with. Right. And, and then so John Smith starts talking about his issue, and it wasn't something you, you would have ever thought to bring up. You think, oh, I'm having that same issue. And then suddenly, not only do you cover your own issue, but you, you hear all sorts of things that affect your business. Oh, absolutely. And that, that to me, is the best part when that, that conversation starts going back and forth. You know, the, the thought ahead of time is, well, you're going to tell us all the same thing, so we're going to end up all looking like clones. Mm. It's like, no, because you're all going to apply it your own way. You're going to word your emails your own way. Uh, mm. Every once in a while, somebody will message me. I had a guy just recently, he's a, a DJ, and he's got a friend who was a photographer. And he said, Alan, I've seen you speak, and I've read your books, and I'm doing everything you said, and I just don't think it's working. 
And I said, well, you know, send me the, the, the email response. Someone goes to your website, fills out your contact form. What, what do you send them? And he sends me what he's sending. And, and I'm like, that's not what I said. <laughs> that's mm. that's not, nothing like what I said. Meanwhile, he's interpreting what he wanted. Now, he was interpreting it, in my case, in, in my opinion, poorly. Obviously, it wasn't working for him. But I've seen other people doing some things that I say and some things that they still want to do, and it's working for them. And that's fine. Mm. But you're not going to be clones because you're not going to word everything. I mean, if you copy what I wrote in my book or what I said, and you do it exactly that way, word for word, yeah, you're going to look like clones. Mm. But that's not what I tell people. I said, you want to take this and then make it your own. Put your Mm. own voice on it. But the concept of make it fit on one screen of a smartphone or the concept of ending with a low commitment question, just one low commitment question at the end, or Mm -hmm. understanding that people scan, they don't read. So no big blocks of text or not using attachments or not having links. Those concepts I want you to use, but how Mm -hmm. you apply it will be different than the person sitting next to you. Uh, You Mm -hmm. know, they they say that we remember 40% of what we hear and 60% of what we read, right? Mm -hmm. So you're going to hear the things you need to hear just so like with books, you know, we were talking about books before we got on here. Um, mm. I listen to audiobooks, and I sometimes have to listen to a book a second time because mm. you don't remember everything. And the yeah. second time you're like, well, did I either not hear that or did mm. I not need it when mm. I heard it? And that's the thing. You know, you're, somebody comes to a mastermind and they have a, a problem. They're getting ghosted on their emails or their website isn't converting or their social media is a waste of their time or whatever. They're going to hear other stuff, but they're going to focus on those things. Whereas the Mm. person next to them has a different need. So they'll Mm. hear in the same room, same speaker, same words, they'll hear something else because it's what they needed. Mm. Do you know, have when you've done all these, you know, mastermind meetings all around the world that you're doing on a regular basis, do any of those groups that you've done a meeting for then form a regular mastermind group? Um, I don't know about that. Some of the groups actually have a networking group and then have me come and do the mastermind for the networking group. So they've already had that. Mm. Um, but in terms of a traditional mastermind, um, none have told me, I can't say it hasn't happened, (laughs) but Mm. none have told me that they've then gone on to do that. Uh, Mm. I do encourage them that the fact that we did get together and the fact that we are sharing, and if they are not doing that, that doing more of that is just going to help. Um, mm. you know, I, I'm, I'm on an email group with a bunch of certified speaking professionals. So the CSP after my name and my, that's my title, certified mm. speaking professional, global speaking fellow. We have an email group. There's about 800 CSPs in the world. There's 36 global speaking fellows in the world. And someone will put out a question and then, you know, some of us will just go in there and answer it. And I was answering one the other day about self-publishing and how I've done it and audio books and things like that. And I said, listen, you want to get on a call? Let's get on a call. And I don't look at it as competitive. You know, they might, they speak to a different audience. They're, they're, I don't have a lot of competitors in terms of professional speakers in the wedding and event industry. There are people who speak and there are professional speakers, but there aren't many who do this in this niche. Again, we talked about the niching there. So I don't look at competitors. If you can't tell the difference between that person and me, then whoever's cheaper is going to win. And I don't want you hiring me because I'm cheaper. I want you hiring me because you want me and I'm more expensive. <laughs> Actually, I had somebody say that to me, Alan, you're, you're our most expensive speaker and you're the easiest to do business with. I said, good, because mm. if I was the most expensive and the hardest to do business with, we wouldn't be doing business. Mm, absolutely. 
You, you mentioned before you were saying about a, there was a PA venue who was um, only selling 16 weddings per month. Yeah, so I had this venue that's not too far from me. Um, I live in New Jersey and across the border is in Pennsylvania. And she has a venue. She actually started as a dance studio. And she took this building on for her dance studio. And it wasn't being used for a lot of the time. She's made it into a wedding venue. So that's a few years ago. And she brought me in. And it's funny because people think if someone's going to bring me in for a day of training, it's going to be with a big group and we're going to have 50 people there. And, and this was the owner. And what were we, two other people maybe for the day? Just the three of us sitting around. And we talked about the way she sells and she sells differently than other people. Um, in the States, it's very common for someone in a venue to sell what's called plus plus. So there's the price of the uh, venue and then plus tax plus service charge. And the service charge being staffing and things like that. Or if you ask different venues, you get different answers on what that is. And when she quotes a price, she's quoting a price all inclusive. So with the service charge, with the tax, this is the bottom line. This is what you're going to pay. She made it very easy. She had a very, very inclusive package, included the DJ, included some flowers, included a cake, included the cord, all kinds of things. There were upsells, but easy to sell is easy to buy or reverse. Easy to buy is easy to sell. Mm -hmm. And we talked about it and streamlined some things and talked about upselling. Well, she wrote me. That was June of last year, uh, June of um, 2018. In early 2019, she wrote me an email. I, we had not been in contact. She just wrote me an email. She said, Alan, I just want to let you know that since you were in, we had a goal of selling 16 weddings a month. And we've hit that every month since you've been here. Wow. So now, could she sell 20 weddings a month? Maybe. But she set a goal of 16, which was for her a lofty number. And she's hitting it every month. So for me, that's my return on investment. That's my payoff. If I go somewhere and, and I've, I, I've had this happen, not that often, but I've had this happen where someone really isn't looking for new ideas. They're looking for me to tell them how great they are. Mm. And they bring me in and they pay me. And I'm like, uh, I actually had this on a website review. I'm on a call with this photographer. And he's fighting me on like everything I'm suggesting to him. And mm. we're about 15 minutes in. And I said, you know, if you're really not looking for new ideas, then why don't we just end the call? Let me refund your money and, and we can just save some time here. Mm. And he backed off some. I said, no, no, seriously. I said, if, if, if you're not going to be open to what I'm suggesting, because you came to me because things aren't working the way you want, if you're mm. not going to be open to what I'm suggesting, then let's not waste either of our time. And I'll just give mm. you your money back and that's it. And mm. he backed off. and that was, He fought me a little bit later. Then. And then after I get an email from him apologizing. And he said, no, I, I, I came to you because I wanted your ideas because I value your opinion. I said, no, I get it. Change is hard. But you came to me because you thought you needed change. I'm suggesting things that are different. Um, you know, and, and everybody needs something different. I had a, a planner. So out in, in New York, there's a place called Long Island. Maybe many people might have heard of Long Island. The very western edge of Nor Long Island is part of New York City, Queens, and Brooklyn. I grew up in Queens. And then the very eastern tip is the Hamptons, which is a very fancy end, Montauk. It's where you know, people with a lot of money from New York come out there and spend millions on their houses and they vacation in the summertime and all. And this planner contacted me. She's been in the business 20 years and she felt burnt out. And she's like, I don't know if I should give it up or keep going. I, I don't know, but um, I need your help. So we talked through and talked, you know, and she, and she still loved it. She still loved it, but 
there's a new competitor every week. I think everybody can relate to that. And she was just feeling burnt out. So we talked through it, found out what it is that she loved and, and, and how to, you know, give her a spark. And one of the things that she said to me was, remember, she's dealing with these very wealthy New Yorkers. And for a planner who, if you go to a planner like her and you say, um, you know, on wedding, she'll come up with a budget per person. And that per person budget will cover the venue, the food, the music, the flowers, the whatever. Okay. As opposed to saying, this is how much for the food, this is how much. For it's like, this is the cost. And she goes, you know, I'm doing weddings, that typically 300 people or more. And if they don't have at least, I don't know, $1,500 a person or more to spend, I don't know if I can help them. That's $450,000 is like the minimum. And maybe I can help them. It's a good thing she couldn't see my face when she <laughs> said that. It goes like this, like, I was like, hmm. But all it is is just more zeros, right? Mm. What's the difference between that and $45,000 wedding? It's just a zero. It's mm. just a different customer. It's a zero. And, and the customer's got 4500 to spend. It's just another zero taken off. And it's just a different group of vendors, or none, maybe in that case, that are going to be able to help them. So at the end of the call, you could feel her energy. You could feel it had gone up. And then she had followed up with me after. And she wrote me a wonderful testimonial. And she just, it was like I, you know, I plugged her in and, and, and recharged her. And that was satisfying for me because it was a different type of a call. It was a very often I feel like the psychologist, you know, I have to, you know, talk her off the ledge or something. And in this case, she's like, should I just give it up? Mm -hmm. Um, had another one recently. He's a wedding celebrant in the Washington DC area. And the same thing. He's like, I, you know, I'm thinking about giving it up. I'm like, giving it up. This guy loves it. He loves what he does. I can't imagine him wanting to give it up. Mm -hmm. And we started talking about, and he had a couple of some difficult clients. And I said, how many weddings did you do last year? He said, 37. I said, how many of those would you, do you wish that you just hadn't done? Like which customers, how many customers would you be like, I, I would have fired them if I would have known. He goes, one. I said, one, <laughs> one, <laughs> what do you mean one? <laughs> out of, out of 37, you're going to give it up because you had one difficult customer. <laughs> and what it came down to is, it wasn't that. It was, he loves doing the weddings. He mm. hates doing the paperwork. Uh, yeah. I said, why are you doing it? Mm. He said, what do you mean? I said, why don't you get like a virtual assistant and somebody that can follow up with your clients and get the paperwork you need and collect all the things you need and do all those things. And, you know, you'll have the sales meetings and you'll, you'll create the ceremonies and all, but you don't have to do that stuff. He's like, I never thought of that. Mm. I said, right. And then the other thing we talked about pricing, he hadn't raised his prices in the seven years that we had been working together. I said, you're just not charging enough. I, and mm -hmm. I, I asked him a question. I, I'll say the same thing to you and everybody listening. You want to play this game with yourself and say, well, how many of your customers who said yes would have said yes to a higher price? Mm -hmm. So in his case, he was charging $600. And I mm -hmm. said, for, for the last seven years, he had been charging $600. I said, well, how many of your customers would have paid $650? Mm. He said, all of them mm. said, how many would have paid 700? He said, probably all of them. Mm. I said, 750. He goes, most of them. I said, and the ones that would have said no, are you getting enough inquiries for the same dates that you would have had somebody else that would have said yes to the 750? He mm. said, yeah, probably. I said, mm. okay. So you need to pay the virtual assistant. So that's going to cost you something there. Um, I said, all right, your rate as of right now is 800 and now you can pay the virtual assistant and you're making more money and your customers are still saying yes and everybody's happy. Mm. And he raised his rate 
And the next day he met with two couples he had not spoken to before. Mm. And he told them 800 and they both said yes. Mm. And with the VA, he's also then offering a more professional service. It looks like he's a, a bigger organization. It's a one-man band. Right. And the advantage, really, the big, the big advantage is the part that he doesn't love, he's offloaded to somebody else. And the part yeah. that he does love, he gets to do. But when he's telling me he's ready to pack it in, I'm thinking, gosh, did he have you know 20 horrible couples last year? No, mm. one. <laughs> but it's the other stuff. I remember a speaker friend telling me that. We're sitting at a speaker conference. We're all sitting around in the lounge and maybe having a drink or whatever. And he goes, I hate my job. And this guy's phenomenal at what he does. He's a former fighter pilot for the U.S. Air Force. And it's like, you hate your job. He goes, oh, no, no, get me wrong. I love speaking. He goes, I love speaking. I love being on stage. I love it. I hate my mm. job. My job is all the other stuff. <laughs> mm. Right? It's yeah. like you being there for someone's ceremony or a photographer, you know, being there at somebody's wedding. That's, that's not the job. Mm. To, you know, that's the, the passion. The job is doing all that other stuff, you know, all, yeah. all that other paperwork stuff and the accounting and the managing mm. your team and payroll and all, you know, all these other things. That's mm. the job. Mm. And, yeah, that's something they talk about in, in the E-Myth. He goes into it's a great detail yes. about it. Yeah. yeah. That's one of them. Yeah. One of them. E-Myth Revisited is the one I did. Yeah. Excellent book. Um, I mean, there's so many different avenues that I want to explore, but um, there's something you touched upon a few minutes ago where you were talking about the photographer who was very resistant to change. And knowing... You know, from the workshops that I deliver and, and and the talks that I do, I mean, I think that's probably the biggest fear most people have is they may be great at thinking of ideas, but actually putting them into action and actually making that change is just so difficult for most people. Yeah, it, it's the question is why do they think they need a change? Was mm-hmm. it an internal or an external force? It would be. Uh, akin to telling someone that they should quit smoking. Okay. Mm. You can tell someone and they can think, well, that's probably a good idea, but if they don't own it, it's not going to happen. Telling someone to lose weight, it's the same thing. It's not going to happen. The thing, and I've written about this, my second book, Your Attitude for Success. um, Mm. I wrote about these things, you know, I don't have the time and all the different excuses and things. And the thing is we have all the time for all the things we prioritize. Mm. We just have to change our priorities. So if your priority is doing something different than what you're doing, the question is, are you going to do it? So the story I tell in the book was my first speakers conference. I joined the National Speakers Association. It was 2007. Um, I go to this conference and it's drinking from a fire hose. I mean, it's just it's so much information, three days and just crazy. And I'm taking notes and taking notes and taking notes and taking notes. And... At the end of the conference, the very last thing before we left, the president of the association spoke to us and he said, now people that were there were not all new like me. There were people that had been members for years and stuff. So, but, uh, so we're sitting there and he goes, you've taken notes. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to make a list of all of the good ideas that you heard. And then I want you to take that list and I want you to put it in the order that you think it'll have the biggest impact for your business. Mm. Just put it in the order, top to bottom. Mm. I want you to then keep the top three things and then get rid of the list. Mm. Physically, get rid of the list. Mm. Because you will be debilitated looking at 30 things and you'll Mm. dilute your time to 30 things and nothing's going to get done. 
and and I equate it to when I used to have a, a dry erase board in my office with all of these ideas all over it. It was just filled with ideas. I had no room to put anything else on there. And when you would do something, you'd cross it off and you take a step back and you want to puff your chest out in pride. I finished that. And you look at the rest of that board and go, crap, look at all that stuff. (laughs) And you don't feel accomplished at all. Mm -hmm. So by taking that to heart and saying, okay, I'm never going to have more than three big picture things on my list, which Mm -hmm. are not three things because you're going to break those down into pieces, right? Like Mm -hmm. making a new website is not one thing. Yeah, yep. You have to get, get the photos, get the text, and you have to go through all the different steps, right? There's a lot of steps in there. So three big things on my list. And then I'm not going to add anything to the list until I do those three things. Mm. Then I'm going to make a new list. And the key was, what he told us is, do those things, and then when you're done, make a new list. Because numbers four through whatever, 30, 100, whatever was on the list, mm. may not be important anymore. Because you're not where you were when you made the list. You made the list and you were someplace. As soon as you do something different, right? As soon as you do another wedding, as soon as you make that new website, as soon as you write that book, as soon as you take that holiday to Morocco or whatever, you've changed as a person. Mm -hmm. And now make a list of what's important today. Mm -hmm. And that's been really eye-opening for me. And I've been living that since 2007 because what I thought was important just isn't important anymore. Mm. So I always have three big things on my list. And I I call it the difference between the today list and the to-do list. The today list is answer emails and, you know, order supplies and do those things. The to-do list is the big picture things, such as publishing my latest book, which I did, doing that book in audio, which I did, getting that book out in Spanish, which um, that's actually the, the part that I'm working on now. So it's been translated uh, it's been edited on the translation, and now we're formatting that. <clears throat> and when I get that out, a big picture thing that's going on the on the list is going to be doing one of my audiobooks in Spanish. That's mm-hmm. like me narrating it in Spanish. That's a big picture thing. It's a personal goal. It's not a money making goal. I am not going to make enough money from selling books in Spanish to uh, audiobooks in Spanish in my voice to justify the time it's going to take me to do it. Mm. But that's not the point, right? Mm. We don't we don't do everything that we do for money. We do for for growth. We do it for personal satisfaction, mm. um, and you know. So those are that's my big picture thing. So when that mm. list is done, I already have an idea what's on the next list. So one of the audiobooks in Spanish, um, I'm I'll be writing my sixth book, so I already know what it's going to be called. I know what it's going to be about, right? Mm. So I, I'm already going to thinking what are the next three things, but I'm not going to start on those. Mm. until I finish the three that were on there. And I'm just about done with that. And something that comes to mind when you mention about those three things, I think something that far too many people are guilty of is they have all these things that they want to do and then they do one and then they go straight on to the next and on to the next and don't really stop and celebrate actually getting that thing done, which was a, a big thing. Mm-hmm. Actually celebrate it and, you know, wow, I've done this. And then move on to the next one. Right. And the, the thing is, what's the satisfaction? You know, mm-hmm. so <clears throat> when I started doing audiobooks, it was because when the 20th person asked me if my book was on audio, I was like, I, I should probably do this. Mm-hmm. And I looked into it and it was going to be uh, go to somebody's studio and spend a week in their studio. And I was like, I'm never going to sell enough books to make that pay. At least that was my mindset at the time. Like, who's going to, mm-hmm. who wants my book in audio? Right. That's what I'm thinking. I, you know, who wants my book in audio? And 
so I ended up doing it. Long story short, I ended up doing it here, uh, you know, in a home studio. And uh, <laughs> that's a whole other story about what my studio is. Um, and making all the mistakes. Right? I recorded it in the wrong format, in the wrong bit rate, uh, not leaving enough uh, room at the front and the back, and all these things, and I'm having it fixed. Fifth book out, I, I can do this very, very seamlessly and get, get it done. So I know what I didn't know back then. Well, I looked the other day and um, my I have five books out on audio. One of them is just newly out, but I have five books on audio. Shut Up and Sell More Weddings and Events, which has been my most popular paperback book. Uh, it's been out two years longer than Why Don't They Call Me? So I think that one's going to rival it at some point, but it had a two-year head start. And I was looking the other day and we've sold over a thousand copies on Audible of, wow. of Just Shut Up and Sell More Weddings and Events. And that blew my mind. Mm. And I took a step back. Now, let me just say this. Audible keeps a very large percentage, and they set the price based upon how long the book is. And the book is only three and a half hours long. So you know, Tony, you know mm. price of books. My books are cheap when it comes on audio. And then they're mm. keeping 60 or 70% or whatever. So we're not going on holiday from those thousand, <laughs> from those thousand books. Mm. But the point is stepping back and going, wow. I put something out there and there's a thousand people who wanted to hear me read mm. them my book. Okay. I can take pride in that. I can take mm. pride in that. Again, it's not about money. It's about, wow, I, I did this and it's resonated. Uh, my latest book, the same thing. It's a very different format. My latest book is called Wit, Wisdom, and the Business of Weddings. Mm. And it's 45 chapters split into three sections of sales, business, and inspiration and each chapter stands on its own. So you don't have to read the book front to back. You can go to chapter 27 if you like that topic and just read that. It's about mm-hmm. twelve or 1,400 words. You read it in a few minutes and that's it. You don't have to read the whole book to get that topic. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't sure how it was going to be received because it's very different than my other books. Mm-hmm. And the interesting thing to me, again, taking pride in it is people have fed back to me, this is my favorite book of yours so far. Mm. I love this book. As a matter of fact, the person that did the translation to Spanish came back to me and did the translation. He goes, by the way, I absolutely love this book. The person mm. I had uh, editing the Spanish and checking it, a woman down in uh, Chile in South mm. America, and she sent me the change. She said, by the way, I absolutely love this. I was like, well, okay. I guess I was onto something. <laughs> mm. So that, that's, you know, again, taking the pride in that. And the pride, again, is not about money. The pride mm. is about Okay, I'm making an impact. And, mm. and that's the thing. See, as a wedding professional, you get to see the impact if you're there at the wedding. Mm. The florist doesn't get to see the impact because they're not there, right? But the mm. planner does, the celebrant does, the caterer does, the venue does, the photographer does, the videographer does, the band, the DJ, right? You can see that feedback there. And, you know, seeing the dance floor packed and having the couple coming up to you and saying, oh my gosh, that was the most beautiful ceremony, right? Or a guest coming up and saying, well, that was the most beautiful ceremony I've ever seen, Tony, right? Mm-hmm. You get that, that feedback. So, um, you know, looking at these numbers and looking at and seeing, you know, getting the feedback and looking at the reviews on Amazon or on my site or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's okay to take a step back and go, good. But here's, here's my philosophy. My philosophy is that I don't want to be the best that I can ever be. Mm-hmm. I want to be the best I've ever been every mm-hmm. time. So I don't want this book to be the best book I can ever write. Mm. I do want it to be the best I've ever written. Mm. 
so far. And then I want to write a better one. I don't want to give the best speech I can ever give. I want to give the best speech I've ever given. And then I want the next one to be better. Because I want to know that I'm growing. I want, if I ever give the best speech I can ever give, I'm going to walk off the stage, walk out the back door. You'll never see me on stage again. If I know yeah. I can't be better, there, there, there's no point in trying. Yeah, absolutely. Well, not only of, I mean, is that you're the first person to come back for a second episode, but we've also now gone into territory of the, by far the longest era. <laughs> It's almost an hour. There are so many more questions I have, which we're clearly not going to have time to get through. But so I'm, so I'm going to be the first one you've ever had on three times. Then it sounds like it. Yeah, it sounds like <laughs> it. So, but before we do finish, I mean, you, you briefly touched upon your latest book just then, which I presume is an audible now. Yes, yes, in my voice. So if you want, uh, if you want to read my books, you can get them on paperback and Kindle. And if you want me to read you my book, you can get it on audio. Uh, they're all and- on Amazon, uh, Amazon UK. Um, well, and I know last year, for and as an example, I was at a DJ meeting, I don't know, probably about nine, ten months ago. And um, a few of the guys there weren't so experienced. There's a couple of guys who were, who were quite experienced. Mm-hmm. And I mentioned, I think it was, yeah, at the time it would have been your... Um, Why don't they call me? Yeah. yeah. And I mentioned that book and no one was familiar with it. And none of them had an Audible account. Hmm. And... Every, I think there were six guys or seven guys there, and every single one of them, um, because I, I didn't just recommend it, I told them they had to read the book. <laughs> Thank you. Because they were asking me so many questions throughout this meeting about different things. And, you know, I mean, I help people put prices up and, and so on. But I said, look, you really need to read this book. I mean, you really need to read this book. <laughs> all of them bought the book from Audible, and all of them loved the book. Oh, that's great. Thank you. So, and but yeah, so I mean, and the reason I started mentioning about books. So, if you can just briefly, briefly mention about you know the, the titles of the the books that you have av- available in case anyone you know, sure. listening. Yeah, and they're all on uh, Amazon UK. So, if you go to allenberg.biz, so a l a n b e r g dot b i z b i z, you'll take you right to my author's page on Amazon. All of my books there. So. The uh, first book that I wrote was a website book. It's in its second edition now. It's called, If Your Website Was an Employee, Would You Fire It? And mm-hmm. it's because your website is working 24-7 to be your front door, to be your receptionist to anybody that's interested in your services. And it's mm-hmm. not how to make a website. It's how to think about it, more of a strategy type book. Uh, mm-hmm. Side note, my sixth book will be the follow-up to that, which will be called Five Signs It's Time to Fire Your Website. So that'll mm. be the, the next one I'm going to work on. That's the to-do list, but it's not on the list yet. Mm. Second book, Your Attitude for Success, was not intended to be my second book, but it's based on a keynote presentation I give, a motivational keynote, talking about how people, uh, you, you can get past the challenge, whether that challenge is personal or business or health, with a, with a better attitude. And thinking about the, I don't have time, right? We've all said this to ourselves, I don't have time. You, you mentioned to me, that you're brushing up on your Spanish, uh, you know, where did you find the time, right? You didn't have any more time. You had to take it from somewhere and say, it's a priority to do that. The same as that I did, or same as when I was 39 and I decided to do Taekwondo martial arts, I didn't have time to go. Um, but I ended up going and for enough years that I achieved a second degree black belt. That's something Mm -hmm. I didn't have time to do or teach Mm -hmm. myself Spanish. And I've presented in five countries in Spanish. Now I didn't have time to do it. I chose Mm -hmm. to prioritize my time that way. So that's just a little piece of that. The -hmm. third book, uh, most popular so far again is uh, shut up and sell more weddings and events. 
And it's pretty much what it says. It's about asking better questions, really listening to the answers, and then you can help people buy because of that. Um, so that's that book. The one you just mentioned, Why Don't They Call Me? Subtitle is Eight Tips for Converting Wedding and Event Inquiries into Sales. Mm-hmm. And that's because we get all these digital conversations going, how to have that better conversation, whether it's through email or text or WhatsApp or Facebook Messenger or whatever, uh, and in person as well, but how to have those better conversations and when they're not picking up the phone and ringing you. So mm-hmm. that's that. And then the latest book, Wit, Wisdom, and the Business of Weddings which is a compendium of ideas. It's, a, like I said, 45 different topics, uh, thoughts broken into sales, business, and inspiration. And if you need a little uh, little help with something about maybe you know, uh, you know why you're getting ghosted on your emails or asking about should you be accepting credit cards or um, you need a little motivation or so many different topics. Uh, wedding, the first chapter is Six Steps to Wedding Show Success. So if you have any wedding shows coming up, you, you can go right to that one. and can give you some tips on, on what to do with that. So my books come from my topics. My topics come from conversations I have with wedding and event pros around the world about their questions, their problems, their concerns, or when I'm consulting with people. Um, I will make myself notes like my, my latest blog, <clears throat> pardon me, is already out, which was uh, five ways to convert more inquiries this engagement season. And uh, I started thinking about my article I want to write for February. And the title is going to be how top down selling is like the game of Jenga. Yeah. Uh, and it's just something that came out in a, in a presentation I was doing, I was doing a training and I thought mm-hmm. of this metaphor of the game of Jenga and how that I can, you know, talk about top-down selling with that and explain it and people can see the visual and it sticks better. And I said, okay, I'm going to write an article about that now. (laughs) And that's it. So those are my books. Allenberg.biz has all of them there. Uh, Audio is my voice. So if you like this voice, I can read you my books. If you don't, uh, get the Kindle or the paperback. (laughs) (laughs) And and something I would just add to that, because we have listeners from many different industries. It's by no means only only people in the wedding industry. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I've read, I think, three of those books, and all three of them would be definitely relevant to, even if you're not in a wedding industry, there are so many good tips in there that just apply to almost any industry. Yeah, yeah. I've had people, I remember a a dentist coming to a conference I was speaking at with his wife, the wedding planner, and he came Mm -hmm. to me uh, after and he said, Alan, everything you said I could apply to my dental practice. I said, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if you can read between the lines when I was talking about wedding things or event things, mm. absolutely it can apply to that. I don't look for business outside the industry, and mm. the reason my books have weddings in the title and are using wedding examples is because if you search on Amazon, which sells half the books in the world these days, mm. uh, you're going to find them, just like the guy in Romania did. If it didn't say weddings on the title, he probably wouldn't have found that book. But because mm. it said shut up and sell more weddings and events, a search mm that'll come up with that keyword. And um, I did make the conscious decision to do that, not with my first two books, but with my third, fourth, and fifth. And it does help with people looking for something in the industry. Uh, and, and that's, uh, you know, their niche, but you know, I say their niche, but yet, you know, a thousand on audio, well over a thousand on paperback. I'm not even mm-hmm. sure what the Kindle numbers are um, on top of that. And, you know, you think about the tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of wedding professionals around the world. There's, you know, a lot of people that could still consume the content. Well, my Spanish is not that good 
yet. Oh, I said that they're all available in Spanish. That's what I said. The next, the next time when, when we do have our, our, our next uh, podcast episode, maybe we can do some of it in Spanish. We'll see. Uh, uh, Alan, do, do it like I did. I told you I did a sales training in Spanglish. We can do a podcast in Spanglish. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's it's well over an hour now, so I think we do need to call this to a halt. But it sounds like there will be part three at some time. But, um, Alan, it's been a real pleasure once again speaking of you. And um, just actually, just you, you already gave the link to your site for the books. Is there any other links that people should know about? My website, alanberg.com, so A-L-A-N-B-E-R-G.com. That'll talk about all of my services. And I do, again, mastermind sales training, consulting all around the world. We do have the uh, podcast, the, podcast, the um, mastermind coming up uh, next to Pro Mobile on 31st March in Birmingham, UK. Uh, we do have a few more seats. That's for DJs. And if there's a venue that would like uh, me to do training, either the 25th March, join us up in Leicester or come into them or maybe put their own group together uh, or a mastermind of multiple categories, please reach out to me. I would love to work with you. And Tony, thank you so much for inviting me again. I am honored to be your first uh, second time guest. I will I look forward to the third because you and I could just talk for hours. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Alan, great speaking to you again. And um, yeah, look forward to speaking to you soon. Next week, episode 71 with Perdeep Sanger, who's known as the strategist for men in business. And he talks about a system he has that really helps people, not just men, but it helps people to get more balance in their life, to, to be successful in what they're doing, but not forgetting the, the family and, and the children and so on. So that's next week's episode with Perdeep Sanger. Hope you enjoyed this week's show. Please do share it with someone who you feel may get some benefit from it. Why not subscribe, leave a review and have a great week. <laughs>